G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. We're a church that's all about knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. And if you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit anglicandolby.org.au. This week's sermon is entitled, Who's Eating with Sinners? And it focuses on Mark chapter 2, verses 13 to 28. And it's part of a sermon series called, Who is This Man? We hope you enjoy the sermon. Well, have you ever had a brush with the fun police? Perhaps you were jumping on a jumping castle when a staff member told you you were too big to jump. Or maybe you found a nice spot to have a picnic when some angry person told you to keep off the grass. A couple of years ago, when social distancing was a big issue, I heard of church leaders who would walk around with pool noodles and hassle people who weren't social distancing properly. Today in Mark's Gospel, Jesus has three run-ins with the fun police. First, they don't like who he's eating with. Then, they get up him for eating full stop. And finally, they get their knickers in a knot when Jesus' disciples snack on the Sabbath. Fun police can pop up anywhere. But today, Jesus shows us how to respond to the fun police and shows us that he is Lord over all things that are truly fun. At this point in Mark, Jesus is still pounding the preaching circuit around the Sea of Galilee. He has a routine. He preaches, teaches, and heals, and then he withdraws. He's not trying to be famous. He's proclaiming the kingdom of God. It's interesting how Mark tells us that his disciples follow Jesus. But the crowds come to him, even as Jesus tries to withdraw after healing a paralyzed man at the beginning of chapter 2, the crowds keep coming. Look at verse 13. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. News of Jesus is spreading, and in an age before social media, TV news or even newspapers, the Bush Telegraph travels fast even to the most unlikely places. One of these places is the tax booth of Levi, a guy who had it all. He was a Jew from a reputable family. He would have had a good education, stacks of money, and a lifestyle free from Jewish religious laws. He would have been having fun. He should have been having fun, but he wasn't. Levi was considered a traitor by his people. Tax collectors sold their souls to Rome, gathering hefty charges even from poor people. They made money by scalping charges on top of the taxes set by Rome. They touched money handled by Gentiles, non-Jews, so they were considered ritually unclean by other Jews. The rabbis even taught that it was okay to lie to a tax collector, and their testimony was unacceptable in court. Even Roman soldiers hated tax collectors because they were richer than them. Levi is surrounded by wealth, but hollow inside. And this is why in verse 13, sorry, verse 14, we read, As Jesus walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. With just a word, Jesus calls Levi, and he leaves his old life behind. Can you imagine what must have been going through his head when Jesus, the Jesus, walks by and says, follow me. Levi leaves the drudgery and pressure of his job behind and finds fun in Jesus. In the very next scene, there's a party at Levi's place. All of Levi's outcast mates are there and they're having a great time. 
they, like Levi, are experiencing the kingdom of God. Unfortunately, not everyone is having fun at this party. The fun police have invited them to Levi's place, and they're not happy. They're not happy because of the company Jesus was keeping. Check out verse 16. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, they asked his disciples, what does, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Word get back, gets back to Jesus, and he responds in verse 17. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. See how this is a healing story? Jesus responds with a simple proverb, but it's got a double meaning. The people he's eating with are sick, and they need his help. But who is truly sick here? Is it the people who are following Jesus' call and finding healing and wholeness under his authority? Or is it the fun police Pharisees, judging and condemning the people he's helping? Who is really messed up here? Friends, here is a reminder that no matter who you are and no matter what you've done, Jesus is calling you to follow him. There's also a warning for us never to try to limit who can come to Jesus. Are we eating and sharing life with people others write off? The people Jesus would eat with? Can we have fun in meeting and eating with all sorts of people, sharing the joy of following Jesus with them? The next brush Jesus has with the fun police centers around eating. Some people come to Jesus and ask him a good question in verse 18. How is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Fasting was, a com- was very common in Jesus' world, but it was only mandated in Jewish law on the Day of Atonement, an annual fast where a sacrifice was offered for the forgiveness of the community. Still, a tradition had cropped up among religious Jews where they would fast on Mondays and Thursdays. Unfortunately, this fasting had become a way of showing off. Jesus addresses this in the Sermon on the Mount, where he calls out people who wore shabby clothes and put on sad faces when they're fasting, so that people will admire them for how religious they are. In Matthew 6.16, Jesus tells us that these people aren't fasting for God, they just want attention, and they've already received their reward in full. So is Jesus against fasting? Not at all. But here, he tells us the issue is timing. He answers the question with a question and says, How can the guests at the wedding feast fast at a reception? That would just be insulting. And then he says in verse 20, The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. Jesus knows his time is short. He knows soon he'll die, rise again, and return to heaven. Then his disciples will fast. Here's where I need to give a disclaimer about fun. Following Jesus gives us great joy, but it's often and it's often fun. But it isn't always pleasant, and there are seasons where following Jesus can't superficially be described as fun. And yet in feasting and partying, Jesus is showing us that through him the kingdom of God is flowing into the world. Rabbis at the time described heaven as a wedding banquet, and Jesus affirms this. But then he takes it one step further by calling himself the bridegroom. If Jesus is just a man, just a wise teacher, this is an arrogant thing to say. But Jesus is the saviour of the world, God in the flesh, the son of the Almighty. 
This is good news indeed. Next week, the season of Lent will begin. It's a time of fasting where we slow down, take up things that focus our attention on God, and cut things out of our lives that help us to focus on God too. As disciples of Jesus, we're doing something he said he would do. And yet, on Sundays, we don't fast. Instead, we feast. We come to the communion table, which foreshadows the great wedding supper of the Lamb, and we feast. Remembering that we are the body of Christ and his spirit is with us. Who is Jesus? He's the one with authority to eat any time he likes, because he is the bridegroom. Jesus expands this point by talking about sewing new cloth on an old garment and putting new wine into old wineskins. New cloth and new wine are reactive and change shape. Old clothes and old wineskins are set in their ways and can't adapt. Here is Jesus, God in the flesh, doing a new thing, and the fun police are too inflexible to embrace him. This gives us food for thought as Anglicans. We're a traditional church, and there's nothing wrong with this per se. But do our traditions help or hinder the mission of God? Do we do the things we do just because we've always done them, or because they help us communicate Christ to a world that's longing for him? Are we ready for the new things God wants us to do among us, or are we perpetuating the staid, inflexible, cold spirit of the Pharisees? Jesus has authority to pour new wine into our hearts. Blessed are the flexible who are ready to embrace it. This brings us to our final skirmish with the fun police. Mark tells us that one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, And as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. Here's a beautiful tradition that needs a bit of unpacking. In Leviticus 19.9, God makes a law to care for the poor. 19.9 says this, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Here God commands farmers to leave the edges of their fields and vineyards unharvested to leave food for poor people and refugees. Remember how rich Levi was? Well, here he is eating handouts, but he's happy. Here again, the fun police pop up, which suggests that they were shadowing Jesus' every move listening to his teachings, watching his miracles, and yet so hard-hearted that they hated him. Look at verse 24. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Now on this point, Jesus could have quibbled. He could have pointed out that his disciples weren't working, they were just feasting, feeding themselves. He could have disowned the disciples, saying, Hey, well, don't look at me, I'm not eating grain. But instead, Jesus uses this as a teaching opportunity and turns us towards the spirit of the law. He takes us to a little-known story in 1 Samuel 21, where David is on the run from King Saul, who wants to kill him. He goes to the priest at a place called Nob and asks him for food. The priest only has bread and the priest that the priests are allowed to eat. David says he's on a mission from the king, so the priest makes an exception to the rule and gives David and his men some bread. 
In so doing, the priest saves the life of David, a man whom God had already anointed as king of Israel. None of the Pharisees would have condemned David for his actions, but here they are nitpicking Jesus. And if you think about it, who is actually working on the Sabbath here anyway? Is it the disciples who are are just having a light lunch? Or is it the Pharisees who are working hard to catch Jesus out? Just like in the previous skirmish, Jesus uses the confrontation to defend himself and then he goes further. And verse 27 is radical. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. God made us to work for six days, but on the seventh we rest. Multiple studies show that people who Sabbath, people who take a regular day of rest, are happier, healthier, and more productive than people who work eight days a week. Jesus is reminding us here that God's law is a gift, not a curse. While Jesus' critics are trying to use the Sabbath as a weapon to attack him, he's not going to play their games. The Sabbath is a good gift. All God's laws are good gifts designed to offer us life in abundance. But Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. He's our ultimate judge. So how are we meant to live? Jesus doesn't want us to live like tax collectors, ignoring God and his law. That's why he calls Levi away from that life. Jesus also doesn't want us to join the fun police, sticking doggedly to the rules and trying to be holier than thou, holier even than God. Jesus is demonstrating for us a whole new way of living. This is the new wine he's talking about. Jesus wants us to live on mission with him, not trying to find fun and fulfillment in living however we want but embracing the fullness of life found in relationship with him. Notice how Levi leaves his old life behind and embraces a new life on mission. He hosts a party and invites all his friends to meet Jesus. Then we see him living on handouts so he can be part of the new thing Jesus is doing. This is what we're called to, friends, to live lives on mission wherever God calls us. Jesus is calling us on mission, but if we're too busy living for ourselves or trying to look morally pure, we miss out. Let's embrace a life of following Jesus. Let's eat with sinners, enjoy Sabbath rest, and do whatever we can to nurture our relationship with God. Let's live our lives on mission, knowing Jesus and making Jesus known.